Welcome to episode 416 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have regular contributor, writer, musician, global hobo, and our resident social critic, talking with us from his humble abode in the south of France, JQ. JQ and I discuss the COVID-19 lockdowns in France, protecting people's economic interests, restaurants, masks as a political act in the U.S., political correctness and how it might lead to the demise of civilization. We talk about tribalism, sensitivity, empires, and unity, too. A grand conversation with J.Q. We have an EW essay titled Faith. We share some actual findings as gathered and published by Harper's Magazine in their April 2021 edition. And we have a poem called Lullaby. All of this, of course, will be imbued, infused, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 416 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours. So 
faith. You have to work to feel good. I heard about this great man who drank a lot of booze until eventually he could not find happiness anymore. I read about this simple, kind woman who meditated for hours every day and became lost in a wormhole of suffering. The love and beauty, strength and courage, heart and soul of this life, in this life, come from your faith and your practice. Wisdom is everything at its essence with lightness so that it carries and with substance so that it will complete the journey from generation to generation. Open yet clear and approachable, pedestrian without contempt or resentment, pure and egalitarian. Once there was a way to get back home. Now I wonder and roam, looking at the cumulus clouds in the sky accumulate and disperse from one another without a worry as to why. Perhaps because there is no mind there only nature's spirit of ecology, the poetic machinations of our sun, and we its moon, and to the moon that is inspiring me to howl with imprecise yet fairly consistent frequency throughout the months and years. All of this must mean something, or else the seemingly overwhelming emptiness unleashes debilitating fear. And therein lies the rub, Western sisters and brothers, Eastern fathers and mothers. All unity resides, regardless, right here. Life as a soulful creature, so quick, so deep, so shallow, so near, and we breathe in and out so that the world might bear witness. Though each one bestows all as important and clear as a robin's song while feasting on a wild, lush, green patch of grass. stops until you do Blame stops until you do Do your major duty And crawl right back again Time gets to me and I The air apparently 
You heed that notion and you'll drop Is that you? It is, E.W. Greetings. How are you? Oh, wonderful. It's great to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours yet again. Writer, musician, global hobo, and our resident social critic here on the program, talking with us from his humble abode in the south of France, J.Q. So, uh, how's it how's it going in the south of France? <laughs> well... We just entered uh, lockdown again, you know, um, and it already kind of felt like lockdown before going into it because I, you know, things over here are quite different. Like restaurants here haven't been opened since uh, September. Mm. And uh, but we're back to the thing where you have to fill out a document every time you go out of the house. <laughs> um that says where you're going and you, you basically, you know, self-police, uh, but you have to, you can do it on your phone. Um, and so it's set up so that it come, you know, when you go to the site, your name and your address and everything is already there. And then you just sort of plug in the time you're going. And then you have to choose from a list of reasons that you're going out and for how long and it should be within 10 kilometers of your house, which when you live out in the countryside, like I do is kind of silly, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, because every you know your neighbor is eight kilometers away. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's uh, we're back in lockdown, and you know it just seems to never end. Um, Do you agree with it? Do you agree with the the policies put in place uh, to to counter the pandemic in in France? Uh, well, no, not really. Uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm fortunate to not be the person in the position making decisions and trying to please everybody. 
But from the very beginning, I, I mean, uh, if you really want to get through the pandemic and, and, and have a lockdown, then you have to protect people economically. And they're not doing that. They're doing that a little better in France than you have over there, for instance, for salaried workers for companies and, and various things like that continue, continue to get paid. Uh, but anybody who's independent and among them, restaurant owners who have been shut down since October, except for takeout, um, you know, there, there's nothing, there's nothing for you. Um, and I believe we've talked before about the fact that the money is there and, and billionaires are profiting massively, you know, as are the banks and, and, and a lot of major corporations profiting massively off the lockdown. Oh yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, somebody added up like you, you might remember when, uh, when this all started, there was a stock market crash, but now they have that emergency like bat button for the stock market that they can just sort of hit and shut it down. They didn't have that before, which is why 2008 was a bit of a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they had this thing and they used it and then immediately the government, uh, under Trump, you know, infused all this money into the banks and it was something on the order of 23 trillion dollars to stabilize the stock market right mm-hmm. or no i'm sorry 2.3 trillion dollars <laughs> sorry that's a uh, big difference once you get to the trillions does it really matter anymore yeah you wonder you wonder <laughs> i mean that many zeros who's counting at that point but uh i get excited if i have 230 dollars in my pocket tell me about it yeah yeah and uh and 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 dollars are worthless here so and i still get excited <laughs> uh but 2.3 trillion dollars into the stock market and then they opened it up again and immediate you know first of all that begs the question where did this money come from but let's not even go there uh and then they open the stock market up crash they hit the bat button again you know <laughs> uh they shut it down and eventually things sort of stabilized but that 2.3 trillion dollars invested it basically went up in smoke in the stock market you know in an attempt to stabilize it and somebody did the math afterwards and was like look if you had simply taken that money which god knows where it came from uh and invested it and given it out to working age americans right between uh you know post not students anybody out of college anybody eligible who was just a working age american and you know it came out to a hundred and some odd million people and it meant people would have roughly anywhere from 18 or was something like 17,000 to $20,000 each for individual, which means for a couple, you know, that's 34 or 40,000, right? You want to get through the pandemic. That's how you invest the money at the beginning, instead of trying to save the stock market. And you should really, truly shut everything down except for necessary services. And especially you shut down the schools. Uh, that's they have just now shut down the schools again in France, which they had to do in England a few months ago. Uh, I think around Christmas, they haven't been back to school and things are doing much better there because that is the main problem. It's the schools, you know, how uh, so? How is it the main problem? Because of the transmission, you mean, or because of yes, uh, because of the transmission of the virus. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 one of the biggest things is is schools. I mean, when when the medical professionals give you the top three, the schools is is number one, really. Because the kids go and they get it, they don't have symptoms, they bring it home, they give it to everybody, you know. Well, it's kind of like... That's how it went for a long time. When you you talk about the money getting into people's pockets, we had a a presidential candidate, uh, Yang, right? Andrew Yang, who was all about that. You know, the regular... Universal basic income. Yeah, yeah, universal basic income, exactly. And what do you think about um, the Biden administration and the Democrats exclusively uh, passing the... the, um, 
the the bill the, into law where there's COVID relief money going into people's pockets here in the United States. Yeah, you got you got how much was it a twelve hundred dollar check? What was it? It it depended on your on your income. I, I think if you were uh, below, if you had seventy five thousand dollars as an individual or one hundred fifty as a couple, uh, um, I believe it was about eighteen hundred. I think. Am I thinking? Is that correct? I don't. I don't even. I'm like a rain man with money. I got some because I don't make that much money, but it all goes directly into my wife's account, <laughs> and she just gives it to me when I need it. Um, so. Um, you have an allowance. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I prefer it. I, I prefer it that way. Uh, it's, it's a, a significant amount though, you know, that people received, uh, the price tag, uh, for the whole bill was, was, uh, again, uh, a significant amount, especially when compared to the Obama stimulus package. Uh, and I'm wondering if you believe that that was a nice move uh, from your perch there in su- southern France, uh, you, you know, the country that you're connected to here, the United States, of your government to, uh, to help out uh, the everyday uh, folks. Sure. Look, people are happy to get anything, right? But here's the fact. The average rent in America is something like $1,400, right? And it's every month. So that's great. You know, and it w- was a very nice gesture. And they, and not a single Republican voted for it, Uh but that's, look, the economic fallout from all of this is still ahead, right? We're already seeing a lot of it. But by the way, it, it was fourteen hundred. I just looked it up. Fourteen hundred dollars, yeah, uh, and and uh, one point nine trillion altogether. Right, right. Which is which is great. But there's there's uh, there's there's a lot of different ways to help people out. But um, I don't know. I like look if if you guys have a state by state sort of quarantine thing going on and everything is different everywhere. So it's very hard to talk about the United States. A federal program is going to be more helpful in states that are doing other things to, to compensate and to help out or that you see. And lockdown works very different over there as well. Like I know in, in Pennsylvania, you've already like restaurants are opening back up now, right? Restaurants. Yeah. They're opening back up and it's, it's a mixed bag of, of responses, you know, uh, on an individual level too. And, and it, it often is looked at as a political move, whether you wear a mask in particular or not, you know, you can tell a person's politics, it seems to a great extent, whether or not they wear a mask. Um, and it's, it's strange, you know, it's strange because some communities are wearing them. Some are not. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a, well, the, 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 the way in America, everything now gets turned into an issue and you choose a team and you're on that team and, and there's no middle ground or rational dialogue. You know, everything is pretty much like that. The way we discuss politics in America simply is beyond illogical. Uh, nothing makes any sense anymore. I mean, you don't really have a left anymore in America at all. You have two different parties representing different versions of corporate capitalism. And one of them is completely insane. And the other is, if it was in Europe, would be considered right wing. Uh, Democrats. Particularly, yeah, particularly on economic issues, you know, because the, the sort of ultra capitalism that you have in America it's seen differently here. And, you know, somebody like Bernie Sanders is, is a sort of center leftist in the countries that he talks about, like the Nordic countries, or even here in France, Bernie Sanders is nothing radical. Nothing he's proposing is radical. Uh, 
so it's hard to talk about politics in America because they're so unique. The Overton window is so far to the right over there. And the Republicans are, they, they represent nothing really, but no, they're vapid. Problems. Now, when you say the Overton yeah. window, expand on that. What do you mean by that? Well, the Overton window of decide is basically a way of defining where the, the, the center is politically. The Overton right. window. And, and yeah, uh, and where, the, where the extreme left is and where the extreme right is. And, and in America, the Overton window has been shifting to the right very steadily, very steadily since pretty much the Reagan Thatcher years. Right. Uh, where a lot of things that were completely off the table, um, in terms like, you know, the Glass-Steagall Act, breaking down the wall that's that separated investment banking from commercial banking. Got that it. is now on the table. Uh, offshore banking has exploded fiscal paradises and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, it's not only on the table, it's, it's common practice. And th those are right-wing uh, mm -hmm. practices. Uh, the tax programs, trickle-down economics is still around, no matter how many times it's proven that it doesn't work. So that's what I mean when I say that the the the, the Overton window, basically the the political scale, the spectrum from left to right, and where the center is, in America is is and particularly on economic issues, tax policy, and things like that, it's way to the right. Social issues, it's different. But one thing the Democrats do very artfully, and the corporate powers that buy the Democratic politicians is, they get you talking about social issues as though they're political issues. And that's a huge problem, mm -hmm. and the, uh, political correctness and, and this and that. I know you want to get into political correctness, and, and, and we, you know if you want to use this as a segue to go there. Uh, excellent. I just wanted to mention one more thing. You know, your buddy Biden. Uh, yeah, he, my he, buddy. He's your buddy. Well, you're both from the same part of the world. You're both from northeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, he he uh, is proposing now on the Democrats a $3 trillion uh, infrastructure bill. And the things that he's calling infrastructure, some folks are saying, really stretches the definition of inf infrastructure, you know, yeah. like schools and things of that nature. Yeah. What no, do you think? I, I, think that's a step in the right direction, moving us more to the center, perhaps? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. No, look, Biden has uh, has a lot of pressure coming from the left. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm within the party. And so he is trying to appease that he himself, uh, look, he's, he's sort of a pure politician. This is a guy who bragged about trying to get rid of social security, supported every single war He's quite a hawk actually, and always has been. Um, so the fact that he's making these moves, I don't know. He's older. He's, he's, he's undergone a change perhaps. I don't know. Is it a good move? It's a pretty good move. Yeah, it's interesting to see it happening. Uh, and, and I think he has a lot of political capital because of the devastation of the Trump years, and I think he should use it. So, great. Yeah. Excellent. Nice to hear your take, our social critic, JQ, here on the program. So, you mentioned to me in a text that um, basically political correctness, in your view, potentially is the death of 2000 years of what we call Western culture or civilization. <laughs> okay. I may have overstated the case, but <laughs> that is my way. Uh, all right. Well, let's go into this slowly. Um, political correctness, first of all, is not new. Uh, people act as though it's something that's only been around for a short time. And, uh, 
No, I we were talking about political correctness back in the late 80s, early 90s. It was a big deal. All right. Yeah, Bill, on college remember, campuses. Remember Bill Maher's show? Which is from like the mid-90s. It was called Politically Incorrect. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. And so it's been around for quite a while. Um, and basically it is uh, a, a plethora of ideas and social ideas that get politicized that grew out of a very necessary political thing, civil rights, right? The civil rights movement. Um, it begins there. It begins with, you know, the civil rights movement, in the sixties, feminism, uh, equal pay for equal work and it, all these sorts of things, gay rights, etc. giving people equal rights, equal access to the advantages of our society, uh, giving that to groups that, f- for the dumbest reasons, tend not to get those rights. You know? mm-hmm. From that evolves the whole debate around political correctness. And but here's, here's the problem with the point it's gotten to. Uh, when I talk about 2,000 years of Western civilization, there is something unique about Western civilization um, that is very valuable. Uh, you know, people tend to say, well, you know, modern Western civilization is the product of Judeo-Christianity plus Rome, right? Mm-hmm. There is some truth to that. Now, what is unique about Western culture, if you go back, and what is unique really about Christianity uh, as a religion, is that its emphasis is not, uh, for instance, as it is in Eastern religions, in, in Buddhism, uh, in most branches of Hinduism, the individual soul, right, your psyche, your thoughts, your emotions, your, your inner self is actually something that you're supposed to annihilate, which is what, you know, nirvana is. It's annihilation, right? It's something you're supposed to overcome to gain enlightenment, a higher level of consciousness. Christianity says that the individual, not the group, not the tribe, and not some higher level, the individual is the thing that needs to be saved. The right. individual soul. That's unique. Okay. You can draw a straight line from that through the Magna Carta, through uh, Les Droits de l'Homme in France, the American Constitution, all men are created equal, individual rights, the individual vote as being the prime mover of political systems. The individual is what matters, is what is supreme. Now, as an individual, the fact that you are a human being, that was the ideal. Even from the beginning, if you go back and read Thomas Paine, you find proto-feminism. You can go back to the transcendentalists that were and the abolitionists that were working in the 19th century that were already proto-civil rights workers before the civil rights movement. This, Because the individual, this is the basis of our civilization and how we function and democracy and even capitalism and, and the, the idea of the individual consumer. Right? It's all based on the value of the individual, which is unique and a new development in thousands and thousands of years of human history that creates our civilization. It even leads to the scientific method, right? Uh, Nietzsche himself said Christianity, by putting its emphasis on the individual and on the truth, which will shall set you free, eventually that was going to turn against Christian dogma, which is what happened, and it gave us the scientific revolution. Now, that's a whole convoluted historical idea, but... And that's when God, God was dead, well, yeah, well, yeah, did he ever live? But little matter. Um, the, the individual is prime. Okay, and what has happened with 
that idea, that's where the civil rights movement in a way comes from. That's where fem- if you're an individual, you deserve equal access, equal pay, and equal opportunity, all of these things, right? But what happens, what has happened over the last few decades with political correctness is rather than your individual soul, your, your, your selfhood being the thing that actually matters, what if you look at it, what is now more important is the group you belong to. And this is this is where we've tipped the scales in the other direction. And it's one of the main problems that is causing a lot of the rot on the left. We're allowing super important things like tax policy and, you know, economic issues to get put on the back burner while we talk about transgender issues and, and you know, uh, even Black Lives Matter, obviously. And you have to support Black Lives Matter, right? But there's this philosophical and ideological tendency now where the group you matter to belongs more than than the fact that you are an individual. And that, I'm not saying it's the end of 2000. That's a threat because it's a philosophical change. And even though I'm somebody who, if I take the, you know, these, these tests that they give, the metrics to measure where you land politically, I'm down in the neighborhood with like Noam Chomsky and, and, and people like that, right? But I see a great danger in political correctness. I don't see a danger in the social movements and in fighting for rights for people that don't have them. But it does tend to create a sort of new tribalism that we're seeing. And that is a great danger when we already have a society that is bipolarized, right, into you're on this team or on that team. And And it's fractioning us further. And so what I'm saying is there's a threat there. And it's an ideological, philosophical threat. And people should really be very, very wary of that. And... It's a hard thing to get out because immediately, because of the current climate, people start saying, oh, you're a racist, you're a sexist, you're this, you're that. Anti-Semite. You know. right, which, whichever, choose your epithet. It, it, it becomes that very quickly. When you, what you're trying to say is, no, 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 I'm on your side, but take a look at this. This is important, right? And that's, a, there's a, that, go that, ahead. that's, that's all in the name of, of protecting the individual right of a person to, to question, to speak over the, the collectivism that is working toward civil liberties for, for more people. They're too sensitive and thus they're taking away those groups, those collective, uh, sort of efforts. They're, they're too, they're too sensitive and thus they're taking away or threatening the openness and the, the, uh, the rights, uh, for an individual to question and to think and to speak what they, what they are, you know, What's going well, on inside of them? The, fa- the fact that you're saying that means that you can probably think of a few examples off the top of your head where that's been the case, where there's cancel culture seems to be going a little crazy, or the fact that like uh, a lot of our best stand-up comedians, who uh, many of whom, you know, some of them are sort of like, they have an important voice, a Dave Chappelle, a Bill Burr, all right? They don't want to play college campuses anymore very often because... Uh, they can't tell jokes. The, the, the sensitivity level is, is too high and you're immediately accused of things, right? There's a lot of that going on. Um, and I'm not saying, again, I'm just saying it is ideologically and philosophically dangerous. That's all. Um, and that the, it should be looked at more carefully. I, I mean, what do you think of the question you just asked? Well, it, it's, it's uh, very... It, it has so many layers. Uh, there there are yeah. so many so many contradictions almost in, in, in that uh, sort of uh, situation because the, the collective effort to try to protect 
individuals of all sorts at the same time is uh, sort of weakening an individual's right to be who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's a political smokescreen that it's very easy for somebody who is pretty much a right wing politician, say a Hillary Clinton, and who didn't come out in favor of gay marriage until, you know, right. she had her finger to the wind and it, it shifted enough. Yeah, she was very, very late. I forget what year it was, but it was like 2012 or something or 13. She was very late coming out, like pro-gay marriage, very late uh, because she's a pure politician. And so what people like that will do is use these social issues in order to, you know, uh, black people have been complaining about this for years. And they're right. The Democratic Party is, is treats them, you know, they'll, they'll say all the right things, but then you don't get the policies behind it. And that's the problem. So we can continue to like drain money out of the lower middle classes with our economic system and continue to practice trickle down economics and, and, and all these sorts of things uh, as long as we say the right stuff about particular politically correct social issues. And it's used it, by corporations to do advertising. It's used by politicians to steal votes, to get your vote, you know, not to steal it, but to... to Manipulate. To, to, yeah, to, to throw dust in your eyes. Um, and I see, I, I see that it's, it's sort of become common and, and accepted, really. And I think it's very, very dangerous. And when I say it, it's the end of 2,000 years, you know, that, I mean, that sort of pompous pronouncement. All I mean by that is that if you take a look at what the, the core sort of value that de defines how Western civilization happened in the first place and you go back to its roots in Christianity, and, and it, it is the, the salvation of the individual soul, which eventually evolves in, in secular terms into individual rights and the value of the individual vote and that, that type of thing. So when you begin to say that no, the individual is secondary and the group, the tribe that that individual belongs to is primary in, de in defining that person's identity, you've taken a very massive philosophical leap and away so, from your own culture. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it also kind, kind of contradicts the root of where you're coming from, the essence yeah, of where can, you're coming from. Yeah. And it can seem like a great abstraction, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the problem is that these things that we call abstractions are sort of, you know, the, the, the great ideas that move us are like the tectonic plates of the earth. They don't change much, but if they do look out because the surface is going to shake and you're going to get earthquakes, right? They are important, those, those abstractions and those generalizations. Uh, the first lines of the Declaration of Independence are extremely crucial. You know, go back and look at the Magna Carta and, and uh, the ideas are important what about because the, they create the reality. What about, though, you know, the, the, the um, criticism that a lot of people throw at Western civilization as being maybe – too self-absorbed, too, um, uh, I guess, designed to exclude those more ancient, I would argue, uh, thoughts that come from the Eastern world, like the Tao, the I Ching, as you mentioned, Buddhism, um, Hinduism, and so on. Maybe the Western civilization has run its course. Maybe. But would that be okay? Well, well that would, there's not a lot we can do about it, right? <laughs> if it's the case, it's way bigger than us. But uh, a few things about that. First of all, it's a valid criticism. 
as is the fact that you know, the other the the part we're not talking about is Rome and uh, our complete uh, obsession with intruding into other cultures that has always existed. You know, uh, empires are not all, uh, well, actually, yes, they are, but they're expansive beasts, right? Um, but you, have you heard of that book, Sapiens? Yes, I have it here on my bookshelf. I haven't read it yet, but yes. All right, there's a very interesting part in that where he talks about empires, and it's like, yeah, we criticize empires and imperialism and this and that, but everything you appreciate about you know, uh, human evolution, not everything, a lot of it comes from the fact that there were empires because when we went out and colonized, for instance, well, we were curious about other cultures. Uh, Eastern culture has been massively influential on the West and has changed us, for instance. Some of our greatest thinkers of the last century that have the hugest impact, like a Carl Jung, for example, uh, a Schopenhauer uh, among philosophers, like these people are very much under the influence of the East. And so are more and more people. Now, we do our own thing with it. It gets changed when it comes into our culture. But there is an openness in Western culture, a curiosity toward the other that, you know, so we send in, you know, the missionaries and the soldiers and this and that. But when Alexander the Great or Napoleon were going and conquering, they were also going out with botanists and archaeologists and historians and poets and painters and illustrators to to get a record of everything. And, you know, so there's there's that as well. Western civilization is incredibly problematic. <laughs> you know, we can spend weeks talking about all the devastation that it's caused, but that's not all it does. And a lot of what it has done is absolutely invaluable to human evolution. So, and that's the problem with empires. You look at most of the empires throughout history, it's, it's, they did a lot of building and prog progress comes from that sort of centralized authority being able to make things happen. You know, it's one of the great political conflicts, centralized authority versus dispersed authority. The, cent the advantage of centralized authority is that it gets stuff done because there's only so many people deciding and it has instant power. The great problem of it is oppression. Right. Right. So there's that. And, and you know, when you look at cultures that come from the East, uh, too, those empires were brutal as well. And they've done some uh, heinous uh, things uh, over the millennium. Sure, yeah. humans are awful. I think the only difference is how much technology do you have? You know, I, <laughs> how much like, damage can you do? Or, well, it's that. I mean, we don't get you know uh, death camps and concentration camps and and burning like killing people in 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 ovens uh, until the Nazis in the 20th century. We don't get Stalin because we didn't have the technology to do it. The barbarity was certainly there all along. Right. You know, we used to do all that killing by hand. Right. It was slow. It was hard work, old school, with a sword. <laughs> right. And, and they did... Before that, it was rocks. <laughs> right, catapulted. Right, exactly. And, and uh, arrows and, and things of that nature. But uh, as you mentioned, though, these empires did bring, like Genghis Khan, for example, and, and his uh, grandchildren uh, that followed, they brought a lot of cultures together. And, and the Roman Empire brought a lot of cultures together. Same in China brought a lot of cultures together and then you know the fabric of of humanity of our species becomes more um more dynamic uh well, and this is the point of sapiens i think what you're leaning towards is that all of it when you add it up ultimately leads to more human unity that is inevitably the direction that it all goes towards just look at the world today it's unity that is the tendency there's no doubt about that 
It is not division. It's unity, right? We just have to be careful along the way because how much damage do you cause on the way? Well, so far too much. But the tendency, uh, empires have unified humanity. We are vastly more unified because we've had them. Jake, is that where you were going? I'm sorry yes, I cut you off. <laughs> no, I'm glad you went there. And I, I think that's a good place for us to pause our conversation until next time. Unity. I like it. All right, brother. JQ, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I'm going to share a song now that uh, you uh, wrote and produced. Uh, was that, a ho what is it called again? Hobo Mojo? It's called Hobo Mojo. And yeah, and it's a, it's a little manifesto. Uh, and that said, you know, that, that's an unreleased tune that, uh, I used to play with my old band. I have new band, uh, new musicians, new stuff coming, new albums, uh, but to be, to be announced TBA, Excellent. but for now this track anyway, much love from the South of France, brother. Thank you, brother. I hope to, uh, see you soon. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye. Bye. Time is money. They say. Is it? Make your mark, promote your brand, network, shake them hands, be wealthy, get famous, but everybody's medicated. It's a mess, we're all stressed, it's depressing. Time is money, alright. I've got one life, but a whole lot of questions, like... If time is money, that means life is cheap. So why fight to hold what you cannot keep?
always yearning, always driven. Hold up. It's all the hold up. All the prophets told us. Now it's a long walk back to the soul chest. Take it slow, yo. Like a stone throw. Now, some actual findings as gathered and published by Harper's Magazine for their April 2021 edition. Actual findings. Scientists hoped that positive climate tipping points might cascade across human societies. Four decades of research on the Izu Islands indicated that the presence of of the Japanese four-lined rat snake forces Okada's five-lined skinks to operate at higher body temperatures. Baby epaulet sharks may not survive as the seas around the Great Barrier Reef continue to warm, and unborn megalodon sharks practiced intrauterine cannibalism. Octopus rubescens was found to be resilient against rising ocean acidity. The Strait of Messina was determined to be the marine region richest in garbage. The authors of The Large Obliquity of Saturn Explained by the Fast Migration of Titan expected Jupiter's moons to tilt the planet's axis from 6 degrees to as much as 37 in the coming 5 billion years, noting that the planet, quote, adiabatically follows the drift of a secular spin orbit resonance with the nodal precision mode of Uranus. Dark matter can be neither ultralight nor super heavy unless it is acted upon by an as-yet-unknown force. A potent antibacterial peptide was identified in the skin of the Australian toadlet, and male platypuses were found to have five pairs of XY chromosomes. Emus, meanwhile, were found to possess W and Z sex chromosomes. A fossilized assassin bug discovered in 2006 and split down the middle was reunited with itself, revealing an intact penis. Scientists were surprised to learn that, despite the strong correlation between male genital shape and reproductive success among fruit flies, sexual selection for those traits is relatively weak. Obese Yucatan miniature pigs were found to have as many as 35 episodes of sleep apnea per hour. Quote, these are very fat pigs, explained the lead researcher. Sacatamia or Julia glass frogs, whose calls are often drowned out by waterfalls, wave their hands and feet and bob their heads to attract potential mates. 
electric eels in a river-fed Amazonian lake were observed hunting cooperatively and corralling their prey into balls to be shocked. The global spark plug market was expected to grow rapidly over the next five years. Specialized voice training was found to improve the expression of joy in the vowel A. And researchers urged a re-examination of the Kondo effect. An international team of experts warned that humans will be unable to control super-intelligent artificial intelligence. And Cornell researchers published an atlas of the winds. Actual facts. Put those in your cap. Track two, take two. My brain, you know what? I'm me, my ocean. My promise. I'm me, my ocean. My promise. I'm in the deep of my shit. Show up. I'm in the deep of my shit. Show up. I'm in the shock of my Basketball round with stripes in the yard as a white diesel pickup truck rumbles by up the road. Wind chimes, rays of sunshine on a mountainside. The tweets and chatter of morning avians while an airplane draws a line above in the blue-white-gray sky. All such an endearing lullaby, and the weekend 
is just about here. Episode 416 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, J.Q. I also would like to thank Harper's Magazine and these musical artists. Stefan Grappelli, Django Reinhardt, yes, Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks, JQ, the Miles Davis Sextet, Fela Ransome Kuti and Escula Lombitos, Courtney Barnett, Terence Blanchard and Brantford Marsalis, too. And of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, 
Let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.